and I'm Joe, and this week we discuss the big game update. <laughs> Already the bad. June, the June update. To do with all of this, all of this information, so good. I dislike you greatly. <laughs> I didn't catch your drift, man. You did not pick up what I was putting down. I picked things up and then I put them down. <laughs> My arm is like a python; it just keeps snapping at you. <laughs> and he will no longer. It will no longer actually reset. What just happened over there? Don't worry about it. Welcome to Cast Royale, the Clash Royale podcast for casual players. I'm Rob. And I'm Joe. And this week, we discuss the June update, challenges, a really sweet deck, and more. Boom. Boom! And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Stitcher, CLNSmedia.com, or wherever you get your podcasts, we hope you enjoy the show. Episode 64, baby, let's go! We're like Nintendo 64, except cooler. That is what we should name this episode. <laughs> I don't think we can. I don't think we can write the word Nintendo in a in a formally published forum. Why? I don't know. It's not like we're making money on the name. Well, that's true. You wanna you wanna call up Nintendo and ask? Be my guest. I have a suggestion. Mm. What if we spelled it backwards? Then everyone would know exactly what it means, but we wouldn't have any problems. That would literally be Adnetnin. <laughs> Right. Go ahead. Try and say it, because it's, it's so difficult. Adnetnin. <laughs> you still capitalize the last letter, the N. That might be its only saving grace. No one's going to know. Right. It was a semi-good idea. How about that? I'll go with I started this show off on the completely <laughs> wrong foot. How's that, how's that for, for how I feel about what just happened? Uh, actually, I thought you were, you were doing pretty well until your weird Nintendo comment. Well... That's good. Let's get it out of the way early. We've been here before. It's true. And we have a lot to talk about. So, how was your week in the arena? Week's been okay, man. I, uh, so this season, I guess we're about halfway through right now, was sitting at 4,800 trophies about 10 minutes before recording, uh, and then had like a 200 trophy death spiral. So I'm now sitting at like 4,600 trophies. So not in the best of moods, but it's okay. Uh, currently <laughs> right. still using the mortar mauler. Dude, this is going to sound not cool, but this is really cool. Are you ready? I'm ready. It's going to be really cool now that you prefaced it with that. I got my rascals to level nine tourney cap. And dude, that doesn't really sound what? really cool. Or it doesn't really sound that awesome, right? Because it's just level nine. But that means I can use them in classic challenges, grand challenges, and even special challenges, like those event challenges, right. like the triple elixir challenge that we just had. Ooh, you're right. Speaking of which, how'd you do? So I was really frustrated with this challenge at first. Um, I couldn't find a deck for the life of me that worked well. And then about after five tries or so, um, and I hit like 11 and three, like three times. Um, so after five tries, I was pretty upset and got to the last day with like five hours left and didn't think I was going to be able to do it. 
And then someone in clan chat posted this Rascals deck that had like, it was like a bait style deck, like Rascals and Goblin Gang, Goblin Barrel, like that Mm -hmm. kind of a deck. Um, And dude, I played it and I won and I couldn't believe how much gold I got for winning. Oh, you're so lucky, dude. (laughs) Dude, I was so lucky because I didn't think I could do it because I'd been beaten at like the very last stage for like, like I said, three out of the five times, but it was so much fun once I did it, and I couldn't believe how much gold we got. I think it was like over 275,000 gold was obtained if you won this thing, and dude, just seeing that number on the screen was incredible because I don't ever have that much gold, ever, ever, and ever since Clan Wars had come out, there has been a complete and utter gold shortage in the boom man's chest. I will tell you that. You and everyone else. And now you can't complain about it anymore because you have like 300k. Right. And and now I told myself, like, I am going to be super selective with what I upgrade. Like, previously I was taking, like, clan war decks, and any decent deck that I would draft and practice with, I would level it up and just try and practice with it. Mm-hmm. But now what I'm doing with clan wars is I'm only leveling up cards selectively once i find the deck that i want to use for the war battle itself that's a smart move especially when you have a lot of flexibility because of the gold and to be honest it's been a long time since they've given a challenge like this where there's been such tremendous amounts of gold given out so i tried to take advantage of it but enough about me how was your week in the arena uh my week has been pretty good actually Uh, i did not win the challenge, in case anybody couldn't guess that. I did make it to the third tier, so that was fun. I forgot how many games I actually won, uh, but not a lot. At least not a lot to get enough gold for it to matter. Um, plus, once I finished, I realized it was 100 gems, and I, I had like 11. So, you know, <laughs> uh, there's, there's nothing I can do there. Um, but I am less than 100 cards away from a level 11 rocket. Dude. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely not going to have the gold to uh upgrade it in time. So I'll be sitting pretty on my current 4k gold building up until I get that last card to upgrade my rocket. Can't wait. It's gonna be the mega boom boom. Mega boom boom. Here's my question to you, good sir. Are you ready? I'm ready. When faced with this dilemma, mm-hmm. what do you do? Save 96 more thousand gold Mm -hmm. to upgrade your max rocket or upgrade cards in clan wars when you need them for a war battle see that's the problem i don't know what to do (laughs) uh i i i feel like i've been putting a lot of my gold towards the clan wars so that's pretty much why i don't have a lot of gold right now dude i promise you i probably have spent maybe 80k in clan wars like in the last couple of weeks so uh yeah i theoretically would have had around 85 right so i would have been close now not so much bah. so it's just gonna take some time boom Mm-hmm. so anything else happened to you this week yes i got an ice wizard from a super magical chest from one of my quests nice yeah uh, I would have saved it, but it happened like right after the last episode, and I'm like, I don't think so. I can't. I can't wait two weeks to open this chest. Plus, I want to get through my quests and get the gems, right, and the gold. Right, because if you save the quest chest like I do sometimes for the show, you can't open any other awards or rewards or whatever. You can't collect those golds and, and gems that you've been getting. Right. Um. 
you know, if it lines up, it's close, then I will save it, but not two weeks away. Um, and finally, last, but certainly not least, Cast Royale 1 made it to Gold 1, baby. Nice, dude. Cast Royale 2 actually made it to Gold 1 as well. So the Cast Royale official clans 1 and 2 are currently sitting in the Gold League. Dude, reality check. Gold is ridiculous. What do you think about gold compared to silver? The, all right, silver is kind of like going to the bowling alley with bumpers on the lanes. It's like you can mess up a little bit or you can have a deck that's really not great, but it'll kind of work. Right. And you may win. Uh, it kind of like guides you down that lane. And even if you don't have really high level cards, you can still make do, right? But once you get to gold, right, gold is like you have gone from hanging out with your friends at the bowling alley using bumper lanes to versing a bowling pro. (laughs) There are no more bumpers, and you're facing a guy that gets turkeys every time. Yeah, it is kind of ridiculous just like that, actually. Can I just tell you a, a, a quick statistic? You can. We have gone into the Gold League and gone out of the Gold League <laughs> three times in a row. Wow. <laughs> like, we make it to Gold League, then we lose. Then we make it to Gold League again, then we lose. Then we make it to Gold League again, and then we lose. So, our win rate in silver, at the highest level of silver, mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in, like, War Day, is around 75 to 80% win rate. Pretty good. Once we get to Gold... That number drops down to below 50%, closer to Ooh, 45%. That's tough. Huge, huge and steep cliff that we fall off. And I, I feel like other people have to be experiencing this too, but it is a tremendous skill cap difference. And I think it's because the, um, the levels of the cards themselves really restrict people once you get to like level six epics. I mean, it's hard to get. So um, yeah, that's where we're at. That's pretty good. Uh, We have not fallen out of gold yet, which I'm really impressed with. Not to say that that's not going to happen. Um, Now that I know that that has happened to you guys, I'll feel better when it happens to us. Yeah, I can I can I can assure you if you need any coping mechanisms, if you need to feel better about yourself while you're going through this issue, just, you know, it's it's coming down the road. Just give me a holler. Yeah, you got it, man. I got your number. Boom. So, uh, that's it for our weeks. We have so much stuff to talk about, dude. I feel like, even though it's only been two weeks since our last episode, I feel like we have enough information here to cover over a month worth of details. So, real quick, Radio Royale is now TV Royale, which is kind of cool and pretty appropriate considering that almost all of them have video. Uh, And they had a new episode talking about the update. Yeah, they did. Did you watch it? I did. And let me tell you, aside from the stuff that they talked about, which we'll get into, nothing made me happier than seeing the rum ham get so excited talking about all the stuff that's coming. Did you see the shorts he was wearing? I kind of like them. You like the shorts or you like the shorts on him? Both. I felt like that was like the appropriate character. That is the rum ham. Like if I picture rum in Supercell, that's it. He's like the guy that just does nothing the way that everybody else does it. 100%. I actually feel like at his desk, he he should have like a palm tree coming around like the side of his desk and he should always have sunglasses on and a pina colada in his hand. Right. And actually the palm tree that you're talking about, the the palm tree is actually the straw in his pina colada. Perfect. I love it. Cool. So now that we agree on that, 
the content of the episode was also fantastic, but I think a lot of that we're probably going to cover within the June update itself, so uh, maybe in a few minutes. Correct. Um, and then something else happened. We found out that the archetype deck challenge is going to be renamed and repurposed as the classic decks battle in collection day. So I actually love this challenge mode on collection day because the biggest thing for me, dude, is like if you're a new player and you're trying to figure out what kind of a deck to play in any of these things, uh, one, the only one that's currently tournament standard is draft. And if you're a new player, drafting is actually pretty terrible um, because a lot of times you don't really know the best cards to pick and which cards may synergize with one another. Right. And sometimes you're going to pick cards based on how they look or how powerful you think they are. But like you said, if they don't synergize with the other cards you're picking, you're kind of up the creek without a paddle. Right. No, I, I totally agree. Right. And, and again, if you're a new player, then the level of your cards on a non-capped environment are probably going to be lower than other people's. Um, so this new archetype challenge, which is now classic deck battle in collection day, is a cool way where you don't have to worry about building decks and you don't have to worry about levels because they're tournament cap. So I think it's a really, really cool way of doing things. I'm really excited because a new player, by definition, starts off as a casual player, right? Right. So this is great for the beginning casual player. So this is right up our alley. Totally agree. And the cool thing about the decks is that they are very linear. They're focused. Um, they have a single strategy. It's clear. It's not like a very complex, high skill cap deck, right? It's it's going to be, here's your win condition, kill the tower. Right. It's going to be, here's your win condition, build the push and beat down. Um, and, you know, it should be very straightforward for people to just easily pick up and, uh, and use. And that's exciting to see. No, I agree. Um, and then with the update, which again, we'll talk about a lot more in detail a little bit later. Um, we're actually going to have three different 1v1 modes and two different 2v2 modes. Classic decks, draft, sudden death for 1v1, and then normal elixir and double elixir for 2v2, which is pretty cool. Yeah, man. So as you said, right, there are five total game modes for collection day. And this is really important because I uh, thought that they were just all of these game modes and they just rotated them in and out, right? Like there would always be triple elixir, there would always be ramp up, there would always be double elixir and all that other stuff. Right. Uh, but the, f the fact of the matter is that that's not true. Um, Supercell keeps five different game modes at a time because the more game modes there are, like the more different types of modes that there are, mm -hmm. the longer the queue times would be for you and I to try and find a game when we eventually find one. Think of... 10 different pools of people trying to find games as opposed to five different pools of people trying to find games, you know? Uh, so that's the main reason why they change the different game modes um, for different seasons, we'll call it. I don't know how long they swap them in and out, but uh, I find that pretty interesting and cool because it keeps collection day fresh. Plus, I love the fact that we're now dealing with two different game modes that work with tournament level cards, which previously almost every one of them, except for maybe one, used your own card levels, which can be fairly annoying if you haven't been leveling up your own cards because you're focusing on one specific ladder deck. Totally agree. And one PSA announcement before we get into the meat and potatoes of the update. The new update will no longer support Apple devices running iOS 8 and lower or Android devices running Android 4.0.4 and below. So 
if you're running on one of those operating systems, chances are they didn't get the update. And you should probably get a new phone. <laughs> right. Um, dude, it's update time. The June summer update. I cannot wait. It's finally here. We've been teased a little bit here and there. TV Royale. We, it's, it's time, man. And, and something that I find really interesting about this, dude, it came so much faster than the last update. Sure, it's not a quote-unquote huge game update, as everyone always kind of likes to say, um, but there's a lot to this thing. Yeah, dude, I agree. There's actually a ton of stuff that they're adding, and most of it is quality of life improvements. They're very little, but they all add up to a much, much bigger and better game, which I'm all for. So let's jump in. What, what do you want to start with? Well, let's talk about the new chess rewards, right? Because we've been talking about the gold scarcity, and you've mentioned multiple times on different episodes that it's really hard to level up rares and epics, but super easy to overlevel a common. Exactly, dude. I've been complaining about this for as long as I can remember. But what they are doing to fix this is that new chest values in Legendary Arena are coming to us. In fact, there's almost 2,000 more gold in giant chests four more epics and magical chests, more rares, epics, and gold in crown chests, more rares and gold in gold chests, and one more rare and more gold in silver chests. Gold on gold on gold on gold! What's the main thing you see here, Rob? The thematic is more gold, more rares, more epics in the same amount of chests. And I can't wait. Yeah, I, I, I really think that this is a giant leap forward in fixing the issue of the scarcity problem for gold, epics, and rares, and I think this nails it. There's other things that they're doing, though, too. That's right. They are actually giving us less commons in gold, magical, and crown chests. So not only are they increasing rares and, and epics, but they're decreasing commons. So they're doing a flippy-floppy, and they're making it so that people can probably now level them up on a more consistent basis. Right. Plus, one of the things that I really like is the fact that they're doubling the chances of receiving cards you don't have a lot of. Like new cards that they release? Exactly. Or, like it says, any card that you maybe only have 10 of or 100 of, whereas you have thousands of other cards. <laughs> right. So it kind of, again, it allows you to not only look at this as they are leveling out the playing field for commons, rares, and epics, but even within that, forget about the rarity of the card, mm -hmm. just the cards in general, they're increasing the consistency at which the, you'll get them all. That way you're, it's not just like a, a huge bell curve where like I'm in the position right now and you're in the position right now where the only deck that we can use on ladder is the Mortar Mauler because it's the only deck that we have the card levels for. At least this way now, new players as they grow their, their, their pool of cards will hopefully grow them together. Speaking of getting new cards, we got new cards! Yeah, we did. Dude, the giant snowball and the royal hogs? <laughs> I can't. I never expected to see a card that contained a hog other than the hog rider. So now when we say the hog, we have to make sure that we are clear that we're referring to the hogs, right? Not just the hog rider. Because people refer to the hog rider as the hog. Right. I, I saw this thing somewhere where the hog must have just gotten tired of carrying the rider. So these are like the rogue, these are like the rogue hogs. I wish that they wouldn't have called them royal hogs 
and that they would have called them rogue hogs. Rogue hogs is good, but do you know why they're called royal hogs? I do not. They're the king's pets that got released. How do you know? I heard it somewhere. I think it may be uh, TV Royale. Maybe Rummy said it. Maybe. You say things. I believe you. You're like Google to me. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you didn't, Why not? You didn't even know how to respond to that. No, I don't. Um, but dude, I'm actually really excited for, the, uh, for this two elixir common spell. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, listening to Rumham talk about why they felt like bringing this two-cost uh, common card was a good idea just made so much sense to me. Uh, at the end of the day, when you look at spells, the two most common used spells in the game, in the history of the game, are Zap and Log at almost 50% each. I think 50 and 49, something like that. So effectively, in every single deck that you play, there is either one of two guaranteed cards. And, you know, once you go to the third most used spell in the game, it winds up going down to like 30% or so, which is a significant decrease from 50, right? Mm-hmm. So having another two-cost option hopefully allows these other two-cost options to not be at 50, but maybe come down to the 30% so that there's an even playing field, even use rate across the board among cards that do similar things. But this one is cool because it's a two-cost card, knocks things back, slows it down, but also does damage similar to what you would have from a zap. So it's like, it's, it's very, very interesting, but it doesn't like reset, you know, towers and Inferno Dragons and stuff. Right. I just like the idea of throwing something on the field that slows something down from far away. Yeah, no, I agree, right? And, you know, this knocks back and slows down, and the log does something similar, but the log is limited in its range, right? I mean, you can't just throw it wherever you want on the map. It's limited, and it takes a while to get there. This is kind of like a very fast-moving, huge, as it says in the name, giant, snowball. And the animation's pretty cool. I mean, it disperses them. It kind of pushes them all apart. Yeah, it's very similar to a fireball. Right. But just not as, like, fiery. Right. It's more <laughs> frozen. Right. Um, and then also, we're going to get another new card in July, but we don't know what it is yet. So hopefully it's cool, but track record has shown that it probably will be. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and one thing about the Royal Hogs that I don't think we mentioned is, uh, you know, on, on TV Royale, they, they mentioned that the Royal Hogs will, will actually be good against things that are typically good against the Hog Rider. So, for example, typically a really good defense for a Hog Rider would be like a mini P.E.K.K.A. or a regular P.E.K.K.A. Right. Things that pack heavy punches, like the Prince. But the Royal Hogs are unique, right? There's four of them. There's not one of them where you can just target the damage. So if you're using a mini P.E.K.K.A., well, he's only going to be attacking one of the four, and the other three are going to be eating your tower because they go straight to the tower <laughs> or a building, of course. So at the end of the day, this, you know, the, the mini P.E.K.K.A. wouldn't be a great counter. So here's my question to you. Mm. Is the Royal Hog being introduced into the game an indirect buff to the Hog Rider because people will, in essence be forced to at least consider this card in their deck when deck building. So if you're putting in more cards that kill Royal Hogs, well, the inverse is probably true too, right? Like those cards are probably not good at killing the Hog Rider. So is it an indirect buff to the Hog Rider? It may be. Um, and I think only time will tell. But I did see Orange Juice's video that talked about the Royal Hogs being paired 
with a Three Musketeer deck. Yeah. What say you to that? It's dirty. <laughs> it's dirty. It's dirty. I mean, in the Three Musketeer deck, your goal is to split the Three Musks and then to split push in general, right? This card is a guaranteed drop in the middle at the bridge, jump over the river, and have essentially two mini tanks in front of your musketeers. Right. And what makes it worse for your opponent is the fact that these guys aren't like a dark prince, right? Like, they don't care about other troops, so you have to stop them from dealing damage to your tower, which means you're not focused on the musketeers themselves. So it is crazy to see what... And this is just one deck, what he found, right? There's going to be so many other crazy combinations that I'm excited for. Yep. Cannot wait. So also, they did say on the new TV Royale that they are changing where your card unlocks happen and in which arenas. So that's kind of different. They've rearranged stuff. Not sure how I feel about change. Well... Typically, change is good, man, and I I don't mind that this is happening. In fact, I think it's a good thing for a couple of reasons. One, I think that the cards that they released in beta aren't necessarily the cards now that best synergize with one another, right? Right. So rearranging the order in which you get those cards allows them to potentially pair better within the pool of cards that you'll have at that time. Mm-hmm. And if you're a good deck builder, if you can take advantage of it, maybe it'll help you climb up the ranks easier. The other thing is that if they rearrange where the cards currently sit now, then people at lower level arenas who have access to cards and have started to already level them up will now have access to even more cards than they didn't previously. Um, and I think for them, this is good because if they unlock cards, then they can get them and level them up to 20 cap. Ultimately, that's where, you, at least where you want to be, right? Yeah, I also remember them saying that they're going to take sort of the higher skill-capped cards and move them towards the higher arenas while taking the lower skill-capped cards better suited for beginners and newer players towards the lower-end arenas, which I think, overall, it's probably going to make it so that the progression throughout the arenas is a little bit more natural. Right, more natural, and as you go through the arenas, they're going to be introducing new or unique mechanics, which will allow you to kind of learn the game as you go, as opposed to just being thrown into this fire where you're trying to learn it all at once, and it's almost impossible to really grasp, you know, what's going on. So it makes it a bit easier to comprehend the game and the different mechanics that exist when you're learning them all together, just, you know, at different points in time. Bingo. So they're also changing, and you'll probably love this, uh, the way that the league season resets their points. Dude, this was such a clever idea, and I was so excited to hear them talk about it on TV Royale. I know. So the way that it works is if you're above 4,000 trophies up to 7,600 trophies, you will now only be reduced by 50% of where you currently are. Right. So if you were at 4,500, you will now be brought down to 4,250. Correct. Which I think is perfect. That makes it so much better. And now everyone isn't just moshed together at this 4,000 mark, which is it's just ridiculous. It's it's mass chaos. Mass chaos is a good way to put it. And dude, if you think about it, the way that they used to do it was people that were above 4,600 trophies or whatever it was. I I forget what it was like if you were over X amount of trophies, you would be brought back down to like 4,600. 4,600 was like the lowest point you could be brought down if you were super high. Dude, at the end of the day, 
you can be reset down from like 6,500 trophies down to 4,600 trophies. The same trophies that someone could have gotten reset from like 49 or 5,000 trophies. To me, like if I have 5,000 trophies and I get reset to 4,600 and I get reset down and I versus you and you had 6,500 trophies, I'm going to be pretty upset about it. Yeah. I mean, you won't know about it, but you'll see it in their play style. Yeah, you'll see in their play style, and then when you get absolutely and utterly destroyed, you go look at their profile, and you realize, well, why did I even get matched up against this guy? Oh, it's because the season reset, and I shouldn't have been playing him anyway. So this makes the bottleneck at season resets a lot less of a bottleneck. And right. It'll happen, but it'll feel more natural as to who you're playing, and it'll feel like you're playing probably someone of equal skill and card levels as you, um, if that's where you're at. Totally agree. And they are also changing the overtime time limit from one minute to three minutes. Dude, how do you feel about this? So um, I think it gives everybody the opportunity to really win or lose terribly. But I will tell you that I'm kind of excited that it seems like there's not going to be many stalemates or draws between siege decks. Yeah, dude, that's the frustrating part for me. That's frustrating you? We play the Mortar Mauler, and I can tell you, I play for draws a lot of times when I'm losing. Um, because with the Mortar Mauler, you can basically draw out any game you want, so long as you focus on defense. Um, but in a three-minute overtime, it's really hard to especially beat three Musketeer or beatdown decks for an extra two minutes. Uh, typically, they have the upper hand in those kinds of decks. But while I think that it impacts me and you negatively, I do think ultimately this is a good thing for the game. Um, I feel like games where draws occur are less fun, less meaningful, mm -hmm. and more frustrating. Uh, for especially the person who's trying to attack repeatedly and the other person's doing nothing um, but defending. But I think in general, it'll also help the ladder movement, right? Like it won't allow people to always be stuck at certain levels for, you know, you play six games and you make no, no movement sometimes. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I think, I think the problem is that you and I play our uh, sudden death times differently. So like I am trying to get a win. And if I can't get a win, I decide with 15 seconds left to go for the draw. Sounds like when you play, you're just, as soon as overtime comes, you're just shooting for the draw. No, I didn't mean it that way. Like, I, sh I always shoot for the win. But if mm. I'm facing, like, a Royal Giant deck or an Executioner deck or something where they are just completely trying to beat down my play, I can't play to win because they will beat down my deck and I will lose. So I draw, I go for the draw until they make a mistake, and then I go for my, like, window of opportunity. So that's what I meant, but I do see your point. Okay, well, you know how uh, you resolve this dilemma for yourself? Oh, I'll tell you, man. I know how. Go ahead. I switch my deck, mm -hmm. but then I lose anyway because it's not high enough level to use on the ladder. Right. You could do that. I was just going to say drop down below 4,000 trophies because this only impacts 4,000 and above. Ah, see, your solution is significantly better than my solution. <laughs> right. This is why I'm the Google. The Google. This is why I go to you, Rob. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
not only did they give us everything else that we just talked about, which already theoretically should have been enough, we also got a handful of Clan Wars quality of life improvements. Yeah, dude. Gold rewards are doubled. I know! Another way to help with the gold shortage. Cannot wait. Totally agree, and this includes war chests and the victory gold that you get from winning battles. Dude, you're able to rewatch your clan war battles. Your clan's war day battles themselves, you can rewatch, and, you know, if you couldn't spectate it, you can rewatch it. You can help your clan improve even after if you're not watching them live. This is such a cool thing. This is really useful, especially since not everybody's online to share a replay that you may have missed, right? Because chat goes by fairly quickly in a 50-person clan. Exactly. So I'm trying, to, I'm trying to understand where they're putting this in, right? It's probably when you tap on your boat and it brings up your list of people, it might show their replay button, right? Or like that little eyeball symbol that they have. Yeah, no, I think that'd be cool. And again, at the time of this recording, we are, you know, a few hours away from the release, so we don't know yet. But, um, you know, hopefully it's something like that. And, and, and speaking of spectating War Day battles, you can now spectate your enemy clan war battles. Just tap the live button on their boat and you'll be able to see them play their game. This is exactly what I've always wanted to see. Yeah, I, I really cannot wait, especially since like I find myself going into the game more and more and not playing, just spectating and watching. But a lot of times my clan already finished their games or someone's not on playing a game. So now, theoretically, there should always be something going on. I, I totally agree. And I can't wait to just cry emote nonstop. <laughs> exactly. Necessary. Mm hmm. And also, when you click on the, um, you know how like you can click on the little button, the little like standings button, you can see where your clan ranks in the top five or whatever? The leaderboard. Right, the leaderboard. Well, now, if you click on the leaderboard within your War Day battle, you can also click on your enemy clan and get information about that clan, like who's in it, what, you know, what trophy counter they at, etc. Like right now, if you click on it, you get, well, how many battles they've won and how many crowns they've gotten. Um, but now you can actually get info about their clan so you can see who you are playing up against. Right. Um, and then probably two of my favorite changes throughout this entire update. Number one, the social tab now lights up if you still have a war day battle left. So like on the bottom, right, where they change the, uh, the clan tab to social tab. Yeah. If you are in a clan, right, so if Casrael 2 is in their war day, but you, Joe, did not do your war day battle, you now have a visual cue that tells you that your war day battle is still left to be done. Mm, see, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And that's just the first of the two things that I love. Are you ready for number two? Oh, I'm ready. Dude, if players miss their war day battle, they get a pop-up reminder the next time. That's amazing. I know. Because I feel like as clan leaders and quote-unquote managers, it's kind of difficult to kind of get everybody on the same page with when they need to do their battle and like everybody's practicing and if some people miss because in real life kind of happens. So, you know, you can't have everybody do everything all at the same time. So I think this is a great way for the game to step in and not have the leaders have to say, hey, dude, what, you, what, what, what's going on over there? No, the game is now going to tell them, hey, by the way, you kind of missed your war day. Maybe don't do that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think one thing that would be really helpful, I know we're talking about the update and they've made a lot of great changes here, but one mm -hmm. thing that I would love is if clan 
leaders and clan co-leaders were told how many times people within their clan either didn't finish collection day games, i.e. only played one of the three, or didn't play in their war day battle. Yes. It's fine that there's like past wars, but it's really hard to like go in there and manually check and scroll down and keep track of it. It's like a very manual process. Like if there was just a way that, you know, on co-leaders or clan leader visuals, if you go into the clan, you should be able to see information about that person. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. And that also makes me think that maybe they should add that stat to your player profile. So like when you go and join another clan, another clan can check your stats out and say, oh, you've had a lot of war day battles, but didn't really do a lot of them. Like it shows you a ratio or a stat. Yeah, I don't know if like it should be like for public view, you know, because then like everyone can call everyone out. I think that's why I just kind of limit it to, you know, mm. co-leaders and leaders. That way, that's like true. people who are supposed to be managing the clan and making sure that, you know, depending on what kind of a feel you want for your clan, you have the information to do it without having to worry about it administratively, manually tracking that because it's very time consuming to do that, especially if you're a casual player. Um, it's very hard to devote the time to figure that stuff out. Totally agree. Uh, take my idea and light it up. Boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, dude, it seems like our idea is making it into the game. Which idea? <laughs> right. Well, we did have a couple that we posted on Twitter, but the one where you can take someone's war deck and copy it to your own battle deck or your own war deck and copy it to your own battle deck. That is amazing. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't know if they took our idea, but we definitely made it pretty clear that we wanted this in the game, like, a day after Clan Wars came out. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure other people did too, but it was us. I, I, we're gonna go with that, because why not, right? Right. And like we mentioned previously, the Collection Day game modes will get switched up to freshen things up so that it's not stale and you're not always playing the same game matches, and, you know, that becomes really annoying really fast, and eventually... That does feel like a grind, and it will make people not want to play. And I think this, like we said before, is a great way to keep everybody uplifted and participating and want to play. Totally agree. But enough about Clan Wars, dude. The coolest, potentially the <laughs> single most cool thing about this update. The game-changing feature. Emotes. Emotes. New emotes. Bro! Who knew that emotes would be so cool? Supercell knew. They knew it in their heart, in their bones, all the way down to their big toe. They felt it. The big toe. I agree with you. But dude, goblin emotes, princess emotes, you can pick them up from the shop. You can craft your emote deck. New emotes are going to be added regularly. And the cost for each pack of four emotes will be $3. So this is a cool way for Supercell to introduce ways for people to spend money into the game that aren't gem or shop related, but that change the experience of the game, of just the feel of the game, right? Right, it adds customizations. Right, I was just going to say that. It makes it more customizable. Like if, if I like the goblins, or hopefully eventually there will be like a P.E.K.K.A. or something, or a hog rider, I'm buying it. It's coming, man. They are coming, and Supercell, take my money. We wrote on Twitter... That you and I, as casual players, typically do not spend money, and when we do, it's usually for gems to play in challenges or special tournaments and things like that, right? For this, take my money. I'll drop $100 right now to buy all emotes. Done. 
Well, good thing they're only $3 per pack of four, so you don't have to worry about 100 bucks. Well, I mean, when there's a lot of emotes, I can get them all real fast. That's all I'm saying. Well, I agree. Just don't raise Supercell. Listen, please do me a solid. Help my wallet. Don't release so many so fast. Keep, keep them at it like a steady pace. Because Rob will buy them. Right, immediately. You'll know. As soon as it releases, done. Three bucks. Pack of four. So here's my question. At the mm-hmm. time of the recording, like I said, we haven't gotten the update yet. But if you buy, let's just pretend that you buy like three packs of four, right? Mm-hmm. Then in theory, you would have 16 total emotes. 12 from what you just bought, plus the four that you get from the game, right? Right. Are you able to switch and swap out different emotes that are different kinds like if the king for the thumbs up and the goblin you know like are you able to do that yeah i'm pr- I'm pretty sure that's exactly how it's gonna work that's amazing yeah like you can combine the princess with the goblin and the other uh king emotes and then eventually like you said hog rider peck all the other characters or whatever else they add yes and i'm going to do that because it's going to add the customizations that i wanted to the game plus i really want to have specific emotes to use when i'm spectating games Right, I forgot about that. Plus, then, when you're being spectated, if people are throwing out different emotes, you'll see all of those different things on the screen. I think that's pretty cool. Bingo. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I think it's going to add a a really cool feel to the game. Totally agree. And that's it. There's probably more. We'll find out when the update actually comes out. Like we said, we are recording before the update actually lands, so we'll see you in the future. Boom. Boom. Tonight, we're sponsored by Hunt a Killer. Want to be inside your favorite crime show or podcast and solve the murder like a real detective? Hunt a Killer lets you do just that. It's an interactive investigation delivered right to your doorstep each month. Hunt a Killer delivers clues, correspondence, and other physical items that you put into a serial killer's mind. Decode and investigate to unravel the case. It's like you're living in your favorite true crime series. That's right, Robin. We're members, and it really does put you right into the action. It's not like anything you've ever done. Trust us. It's been featured on BuzzFeed, Washington Post. The editors of Bustle are even writing a monthly article about their experience. And here's something else that's cool. Hunt a Killer has partnered with the Cold Case Foundation. So part of your monthly membership will go toward helping police departments catch real killers and close cold cases. That's right. So join us and tens of thousands of others by signing up for a Hunt a Killer membership at www.huntakiller.com. And if investigating isn't your thing, you probably know someone who would love this as a gift. To help support our show, they've offered a 10% discount on the first month for our listeners. But it's only available for a limited time. So go now to huntakiller.com and use the code CAST to get 10% off your first month. That's C-A-S-T, CAST. Huntakiller.com. Can you solve the case? Thanks a lot to Hunt a Killer for sponsoring our show. Speaking of boom, you know what time it is? Oh, I know exactly what time it is. It's time for Boom It or Move It! Boom It or Move It! So we said that that was the end of the June update, and that's technically correct, but we also have the 620 balance update to talk about. So Joe, are you ready for some Boom It or Move It? it? Oh, I'm ready. All right, number one. The clone and the heal spell had their radius increase from three tiles to four tiles. Boom it or move it. So I'm going to boom this one, dude. What? 
Yeah, see, I'm not a huge fan of the clone or the heel, but I, I just feel like they are terrible. <laughs> and nobody uses them. And I think it's because they don't do enough. And mm. with the clone, I mean, you can only clone something in one way. Clone it. But right. if you can clone more things, then that makes the card already 25% better. Uh, right. Because they're increasing its radius by tile. Um, now, that's radius, right? So the diameter, I mean, it's it's two tiles longer. So in essence, both of these spells, heal and clone, now are the same distance in width as the arrows, which is a pretty big radius, dude. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is good for the game. I'm just not excited to see all these clone and heal spell decks to be in the arena. Yeah, but I, I don't know, man. I don't know if they'll be in the arena, right? Like, clone still loses to any AoE-type troop um, and poison and the log or... <laughs> uh, I mean, Yeah, that's true. Baby drag, right? I mean, like, there are so many things that just kill clone. I think that these... I think clone will still be a very popular thing in, like, crazy fun challenge-type modes, but um, heal has a better opportunity to become better. Yeah, that's a really good point. So next up is the minions and the minion horde. Dude, they have been nerfed. And get this change. Brand new kind of change that we've never seen before. Added a .15 second deployment time between each individual minion spawning. Boom it or move it. I'm gonna have to boom it. Yeah, why? These cards hold so much value, and the pros have figured out a way to exploit that value and really take it to the next level at those higher level arenas. So I feel like this nerf is very appropriate. Right, and it might it might seem ironic, right? Like you and I, we're terrible with the minions. Like we can't make them work so well. In fact, when I use them, I probably lose. Um, <laughs> These other people that are so good at this game have figured out a way that just these, these cards dominate at the top of the ladder. And adding a 0.15 second deployment time might seem small, but it allows minions and minion hordes to not get as much immediate value when they're thrown on top of a big tank like a giant or a P.E.K.K.A. or a golem. Um, it takes longer for them to build up their full attack because they're not all on the map at the same time. And get this, dude. With a 0.15 second deployment time between each minion, the time it takes between the first minion being deployed and the last minion of a minion horde attacking is a 1.9 second difference. That's crazy. That's almost the time it takes for a royal giant to be able to do anything on the map. Exactly. So there is a, a window where... Nothing happens for where previously that that last minion would have been attacking. <laughs> right. And you're talking strictly about the minion horde. The minions would be less time. Correct. The minions would be around a second and a half. That's nuts, dude. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I'm going to boom it. And I'm going to boom it on principle because this is the first time we've ever seen a change like this. Boom. So, the next one is to the Barbarian Barrel, who had its area damage increase by 17% plus the barbarian spawn location is now visible. Boom it or move it. Yeah, so I'm definitely booming this one. I would I would double boom it with you. Boom boom ba boom. Dude, this card was super underwhelming. The fact that it can now kill 
Archers, allows this card to be the only 3-cost spell in the game that can kill a 3-cost Archers, which is tremendously important for that card. I think that this is really going to allow the card to be used a lot more. It's going to be better when it's used. It's going to have more value on the map while it's used. And the fact that you can see where it's being spawned is just so simple, but yet so impactful. Imagine if you could not tell when you used the log where it was going to land. Imagine if you couldn't tell when using the fireball what tile it was going to land on. Right. It just doesn't make sense. But this makes it so much easier. I know. I, I actually really, really like this change. I'm, I'm, I'm more excited for the location being visible than the area damage, but I do think that the area damage was necessary because it was kind of a weak card, you know? I agree. And the next one, the jump and dash minimum range has been standardized to 3.5 tiles, which means that the Mega Knight had his jump minimum range distance decreased from 4 tiles to 3.5 tiles, which is a buff because he jumps at shorter distances. And the Bandit, who had a 3.5 minimum range tile radius, has no change. So this standardization allows the jump and dash mechanic to operate or function in a similar way. Boom it or move it. So I think I'm actually going to boom this one too. Nice. For better or for worse. Tell me why. It's a specific mechanic, right? And if it's a similar mechanic for both troops, it should be the same for both troops. I do feel like the Mega Knight kind of needed a little bit of a buff, and I think this little decrease will help. Plus, like we've been saying five times already, it standardizes it with the Bandit, which is perfect. I'm glad they didn't change the Bandit. Totally agree. <laughs> um, yeah, so the next one is the charge-up distance has also been standardized to 3.5, which impacts cards like the Battle Ram, which went from 4 tiles to 3.5, so that's a buff. And then also cards like the Prince and the Dark Prince, which was 2.5 tiles, increased to 3.5. So that's a nerf. Boom it or move it. So I'm definitely going to boom this one too, man. Really? Yeah, I, I didn't think you'd see this coming, but the, the Battle Ram I thought was a little bit underpowered. I thought that the charge took too long. Prince and Dark Prince in the beatdown style meta that we're currently in, uh -huh. uh, like Giant Double Prince, Golem Double Prince, it's just powerful. And they needed a nerf because it was a little hard to deal with them. Um, and to be honest, man, it's really annoying having similar mechanics that don't operate the same way. Yeah, that's true. It's hard to keep track of. It's hard to know when you should play things, time spells, place troops, etc. So... Doing it this way just makes it easier for you and I to pick up, but also pros who um, know the ins and outs of the game to focus on simpler things. Yeah, that's a really good point. So let me ask you, I, I, I understand why you'd agree with the one buff and the two nerfs, but do you agree with the standardization of 3.5? Yeah. I don't disagree with you. I just want to know what's going on in your head. So I think that... The standardization, I, I mean, I don't think that 3.5 is the same 3.5 as the minimum range for the jump and dash. Like, I don't think they intended on it being, oh, well, any charge dash or jump should just be 3.5. Because then, mm -hmm. you know, I think they just looked at it and said, okay, well, we have three different charge up cards. Two of them are below 3.5. One of them is above 3.5. 
instead of meeting it in the middle, like what makes the most sense? And, you know, what takes too long and what seems too fast? And I think 3.5 seems right. I mean, they can always change it to three if they want. I, who knows? But yeah, that's true. And they're not going to do a third of a tile, right? They're not going to do an average and do it like 3.1 or 3.3. Right. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's standardization. I think that that makes sense. So now that the standard is 3.5, if they want to move it up or down, they can. And I don't care what direction they go so long as it makes sense. <laughs> totally agree. All right, next up is the mirror. Dude, the mirror will no longer appear in your opening hand. Boom it or move it. I feel like this is an easy one, right? Boom. Yeah, why? I mean, why not, right? Like, if you get the mirror in your opening hand, you effectively have one less card to use. You should only get your mirror after you have four cards to actually play and therefore be able to mirror. So I feel like this was a pretty simple one. Yeah, no, I would totally agree with you. You want to know something that's really cool about this change? Hmm. If you use the mirror, that's that. this is a buff to the card, and it makes using the card more of a strategic thing. So, for example, if you use the mirror in your deck, you know that one of the seven cards in that deck will not appear in your starting hand. So previously, you had a 50-50 shot to get the four cards you want <laughs> in your starting hand. Um, but now those chances are higher because there's less than there's less options that can be in your f first four cards. Yeah, that's a, that's actually a really good point. I didn't even think about it like that. Of course the accountant figured out the math behind it. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, man, like you have better odds to get the card you're looking for if at least one of them is guaranteed not to be there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I agree. So I'm actually going to do the next two, the last two, together because they're both technically bug fixes so the first one is to the magic archer and he will no longer extend his range and accidentally wake up the king so that's cool and then the buildings of the game will no longer occasionally stop shooting at the edge of their range boom it or move it collectively so i think this one's pretty simple man i'm gonna boom this one for the simple fact that I don't like bugs. We squash bugs around here at Cast Royale. Right. And if you, right. I, I sit on them and laugh. <laughs> I just sat on a bug right now, actually. Oh, Ooh, you get it. Got him. So, I, I mean, I would boom this too, right? Because like we said, we don't like bugs. These cards were clearly not supposed to act this way within the game. All about extermination here. Boom. Boom. And that does it for Boom It or Move It. Dude, we boomed everything! We did boom everything, which leads me to believe that our grades would be pretty good. I will give this a solid A. I'm gonna give this an A+. Wow, no more room for improvement. First time in the history of the show. Nah, I think we've given A-pluses before, but this is a good one. Are you sure? I don't know. I feel like, I feel like it's like 100, man. You don't, the teacher don't give those out often. Here's what I know. These changes were unique in some cases. They didn't do traditional style changes. They included different deployment times for swarmy troops. They included standardization. They included hand opening mechanics. I mean, these mm -hmm. are three things that you've just never seen before right. um, that are now being introduced to the game. Um, something tells me Rummy Hammy had a little bit to say about these. I would, I would think so. I mean, you take a player and put him in the company that makes the game he plays, there's bound to be some cool fixes, right? Yeah, so 
Again, solid A. Can't wait to see how it impacts the meta in full after we get to play it for a little while. Totally agree. So, it's time for our meta check. Meta check. That's right, and our boy Sir Devin Lloyd Christmas comes to us with another phenomenal meta check. And Joe, by the way, he told us that he loved, that we loved, and everyone else loved his new style of meta check. Because, you know, the numbers can get kind of annoying and a little overwhelming and pretty redundant sometimes. So he's going to try and do this a little bit more often for us. So kind of exciting stuff here. Yeah, man, I love it. I mean, slicing the apple in different ways allows you to see it in a in a cooler light, you know? I agree. So, dude, like you said, Devin hit us with the numbers. And for this meta check, what Devin wanted to do was look at what commons and rare win conditions have been the most viable in the current meta. So, again, like we said in the last episode, we're trying to stay away from epics and legendaries just because us common folk, free-to-play players... We don't focus on those, and we can't really get them as high as we want them to be to use them in ladder, so we'll focus on the things that make the most impact in our decks, which are the commons and rares. So without further ado, here is the information gathered over the last three months to be the most top-rated win conditions for troops, buildings, and support troops. Rob, are you ready? I am ready. Just keep in mind that with the new update, it's possible that some of this stuff may change, but it's more than likely going to stay very close to the same. Well, that's why it's an average, right? And he he's not saying this is a snapshot at this current moment, but rather these cards have been good in various metas over the past couple of months, and therefore in most types of metas, they're probably pretty good choices to use as win conditions. Agreed. So now I'm ready. So without further ado, Rob... The top three win condition troops are, first up, the Giant at 22.7%. The Harada, of course, at 16.4%. And the Three Musketeers at 9%. I have a feeling that may go up when the Royal Hogs come out. That might be true, but dude, you know what's not on this list? Hmm. The Elite Barbarians or the Royal Giant, they only exist at the levels that you and I play at and not the tippy top of the ladder and I wish that I never saw those cards. We have something to strive for now. So Rob, from a bird's eye standpoint, it's pretty easy to see that rares far outnumber the commons in win condition department. As you can see, all three of the top three win condition cards that are troops are rares. They seem to have the most impact on the map. Keep in mind that this data is gathered at the top of the ladder, like you and I just said, and not at lower level arenas. But knowing that, it may be worth leveling up your rares at the very beginning of the game because they are the ones that allow you to climb the most. And I know we're leaving out epics here, but dude, the giant actually beats out the golem in the beatdown matchup by about 15% use rate. If beatdown is your style, maxing out the giant will be the way to go. If you like cycles, use the hog rider. It's the most consistent strategy used at the top for cycling. And last but not least, the Three Musketeers, which is a truly niche card and unique in playstyle, requires a little bit more skill cap to master. But there isn't any other card in the game that provide the same value and flexibility as this card, so if you're willing to throw in the time to learn it and master it, it can do wonders in the arena. So what about win condition buildings? We've been talking about troops for quite a while. Yeah, dude, so you might be surprised by this. Will I, or will I be excited? 
Maybe. I, I do think you will be. In my mind, though, when I think of a win condition building, the first thing that pops into my mind is the expo. Mm-hmm. Because at the tippy top of the ladder, that's what you see. But dude, the expo is not used in the top two win condition buildings. Instead, the mortar is the top win condition building, and it's sitting at 9% use rate. Next up is the goblin hut at 3%. The expo isn't even up there, dude. And part of the reason why the Mortar is such a popular deck is because the Hog Rider that we just talked about, which is one of the best win condition troops in the game, and is one of the most friendly free-to-play player win condition cards in the game, is paired very well with the Mortar. Ah, that's a really good point. Both are four cost, both cycle really well, both are very difficult to deal with, and when they're paired together, pack a pretty good punch. But what about the Goblin Hut? I'm a, I'm a little surprised by that. Yeah, well, the thing about the Goblin Hut is that they're technically win condition cards that, you know, spawn troops, right? But at the, at the end of the day, they're they're kind of a win condition support card. Um, but they act as a building. Right. So technically, this can include the furnace, you know, the, the skeleton, tombstone, mm-hmm. um, the barbarian hut, and things like that. Uh, the reason for putting them in this bucket is to simply show that if you're using a building in your deck... The clear, advantageous winner is the Mortar, because the next one up is 3%, which is a third of the use rate of the Mortar. So the Mortar is clearly the way to go, and we think it's because the Mortar Hog Rider deck is super powerful in the meta. Bada bada boom. Boom. So last but certainly not least, what about win condition support troops, since you mentioned this earlier? Yep, so the top five win condition support troops. Support troops are pretty interesting category, right? Because they're pretty much every other card. It's not your giant. <laughs> it's it's not your hog rider. It's everything else that your deck is built around that allow you to do damage to troops and if they lock onto the tower, kill it. Um, so number one, numero uno, the goblin gang used over 28% of the time. Can I tell you that I'm not surprised? I feel like this card is definitely very popular. Oh, it is super popular. And what's not too far behind it at almost 16 and 17% is the Battle Ram and the Minion Horde. Both are extremely good. Both are very, very valuable on the map. And let me tell you this. It just goes to show you because the Minion Horde can be used in Musketeer decks and giant beatdown style decks and because of that you see the minion horde use rate higher than the musketeer use rate because the minion hordes are used in beatdown style decks as well battle rams in the same category because you can use it in a three musketeer deck and you can also use it in like a prince bait kind of deck right and then once you get past the minion horde there's kind of a cliff Behind that is the Musketeer at 5%, and then the Rascals at 2%. Hey, they made it to the list! They did make it to the list, but I think that the Rascals are a little bit skewed, right? This is an average over the course of three months. The Rascals have only been out for about a month, so of course their, you know, use rate is going to be super low. I think what you're going to find is over time, especially if they don't get nerfed in the next patch, you're going to see that these Rascals are super valuable, super powerful, and very impactful as support troops. You know what I'm really surprised didn't make this list? The Dark Goblin. I'm not surprised at all, actually, because I don't see the Dark Goblin in the ladder. Mm, well, maybe that's a sign that it needs to be buffed. Maybe. You're right. 
It's a rockin' troop, man. That thing has saved me so many times in Clan Wars. Oh, in Clan Wars it's great. When there's limited card pools or if you're in a draft or if you're in a touchdown, it's a sweet card to have. Totally agree. So that's pretty much it, man. As always, we don't talk about everything in the meta check, but Devin did switch it up yet again, keeping it fresh, absolutely loving the new style of the meta check, and we thank you, thank you, thank you for all the time and effort you put in, man. We really appreciate it. Boom. Boom. So, let's move on to our... Deck Spotlight. Deck Spotlight. And this deck is called the Little Rascals, because this deck will annoy the living daylights out of you. That's right. And it's a 3.5 average elixir cost deck that contains, you guessed it, the Rascals, the Goblin Barrel, Goblin Gang, the Princess, Royal Ghost, Poison, the Log, and the Inferno Tower. So Joe... How do we play mischievously? So dude, this is the deck that I used in the Triple Elixir Challenge to get 12 wins. And I gotta tell you, when you're rattling off the cards that are in this deck, the first four that you mentioned are the Rascals, the Goblin Gang, Goblin Barrel, and the Princess. 50% of the deck is a bait-style deck. And if you include the Inferno Tower in that count, over 50% of the deck can be zap-baited. So there is so much in this deck that causes your opponent to just have to pick and choose what they're using their troops and or spells on, which is very tough for them to deal with. Also, the fact that it's 3.5 Elixir allows you to just cycle extremely fast. What's even cooler about this deck is the fact that the Rascals come with a built-in tank that is super tanky and at tournament standards, can survive a sparky shot with 500 health remaining. Ooh. A tank built in that can survive up to three hits of Big Mama Pekka. A tank that when has aggression from the tower allows your goblin barrel to melt the tower itself. That's literally one of my favorite feelings in the world for this game. It's similar to when my mortar locks onto the tower. I couldn't agree more, dude. So with this deck, it's very simple. It's a hard deck to learn and master, to be honest with you, but it's a simple concept. Use your princess in the back on the opposite lane that you're actually attacking. Save your rascals for whatever troop you need to defend against with your opponent that will destroy you. For example, a prince or a big mama Pekka. Anything that has single target damage that you need to kill really quickly. Once you bait out your opponent's zap and or log... It's go time. Yes, it is. Attack opposite lane. Use your goblin gang. Use the royal ghost when your opponent drops their ground troops so that it forces out a ground troop to prevent it. If they use an air troop, it makes your life easy because then you can kill it with the princess on the opposite lane. Mm. So I won't go into too, too much detail given that we've had so much stuff to talk about and we're running a little overboard right now. So again, simple concept with the deck. Bait out. Zaps, bait out log, take advantage and use the Rascal Boy as a tank on defense and on offense to allow the goblins to do their job. Bada bada. Boom. And be sure to check the show notes because I will include an in-depth description on how I would play the deck if I was starting off with 10 Elixir. Boom. All right, man. And that's pretty much it. 
Uh, if you left us a review on iTunes, we thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Like we say every week, it's the number one way you can help us reach more people. We have no patrons this week, but that's okay. If you would like to support the show, please go to castrayalpodcast.com slash donate to see all the different ways that you can help support our show. And if you'd like to reach out to us on Twitter, you can do so by using the handle at podcastroyale. Plus, if you would like to join our clans, we do our refresh every Saturday night into Sunday. You can join by writing the word podcast in your invite, but also join our Discord because that's the best way to get the information about when we have an open spot. Plus, you can talk to us directly and hang out with our community, which is growing every single day. Right. Oh, and by the way, it's worth mentioning because I think it should be publicized. We actually made joining our Discord a requirement to be in our clan because we found that clan chat is a little bit difficult to get a hold of people sometimes, especially with war days going on. Uh, So if you're in the clan, you need to be in the Discord so then we can communicate with you. Boom. And as always, thank you so much to clnsmedia.com for hosting our show on their website. If you're looking for the latest and greatest of our podcasts or you're interested in checking out new podcasts, be sure to go to their site. And once again, thanks to Hunt a Killer for sponsoring our show. Boom. And that's it, man. I'm done. I got nothing else. And we will see you listeners next time for another hodgepodge of everything. Hodgepodge of everything. Boom! Bye. Bye.